Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. We continue to celebrate women making history with my friend Gina Aguilar. Gina is the host of San Diego's 93.3 Gina the Latina and Frankie V Morning Show. If you're unaware, women being a lead name or solo name on a top market morning show or any morning show is surprisingly not very common. And we discuss the tragedies in her life that led her to discovering her voice and allowing her to use it to affect so many with raw candidness. So without further delay, here's Gina. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. I'm your host, Jessica Yanez. This week, my guest is my friend Gina Aguilar, known to San Diego radio listeners as Gina the Latina. Originally from Los Angeles, Gina the Latina has been a staple on San Diego music station channel 933 for the past 13 years. Arguably one of the most recognized and beloved radio personalities, Gina is le- currently the lead host of the Gina the Latina and Frankie V morning show. Gina quickly became one of the most well-known radio on-air hosts, being named Best Radio Personality in San Diego in 2014 Ranch and Coast Magazine's Best of San Diego issue. Her quick-witted, fun-loving personality, yet real and brutally honest opinions, has quickly made her a fan favorite. We talk about her ascension to becoming one of the few women leads in morning show in the country and the journey that led her to where she is today. So grab your glass of wine and join us for the chisme. We're finally doing this. I know. <laughs> How long? Sorry, I canceled like three times. No, twice. Only twice, I think. <laughs> and we both have the gunshot like laugh, which was, I was crying. I know, with. right? <laughs> hey, it's maybe like money. <laughs> but yay, we're finally here. We're finally doing it. And I'm super excited because, you know, it took forever. But I appreciate because I technically didn't even ask you you had initially volunteered oh really i don't yeah. even remember when what we i say what you're gonna have me on, my, on your podcast or what? I probably <laughs> <said> that. <laughs> it was after that um apple plus apple tv plus movie thing oh yeah yeah okay and we were walking back and i was just telling you about the podcast and you're like oh yeah if you ever want me on just let me know and oh, i was okay. like okay okay because i didn't want to impose on you or ever ask you or anything. Yeah. So, well, you should always ask people because if you don't ask, you're never going to, this know. is true. But I always like to support other people that are cool. If you're not cool, I probably wouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Okay. If you didn't think I'm cool, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't have offered. I'm big on vibes. If they're cool, like I'm down to always help. Like, you know, especially with something like podcasts are just, 
I mean, it's what I do for a living well on the radio, but so yeah. I, I'm glad that a lot of people are doing podcasts now. I, it's, I think a lot of people, I did it right before. So it wasn't like COVID was the reason I started. I know mm-hmm. COVID is the reason I started, but I saw, I literally launched, I was telling you earlier, three weeks before COVID hit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so it's perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. Just happen, it just happened to work out that way. And, and have you done a lot of interviews during pandemic? I have by the end of the year. So you're actually going to, by the end of the year, I'll hit 50 episodes. Oh, you're wow. 50. That's you're going to awesome. be 50. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I was once told that you're not a true podcaster, which I don't believe this, but this is what they told us until you get a hundred episodes. So when we got to our hundred episodes, we were like so excited. And then we stopped our podcast. <laughs> So I don't have one right now, but I'm going to restart with, but no, that's, that doesn't mean you're all pop, but 50 is amazing. That's once a week almost for the whole year. That's a lot. I mean, people don't realize how much work and effort it takes in. I, you know, we do our radio show four hours a day, five days a week. That's a lot of talking. And then to do another hour of podcast, everyone's like, why I'm like, I'm getting to, to do your pod, to do like a podcast, but it's just, it's a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> well, and at plus I am the producer. I am the yeah, editor. I, I am the host. I am the everything. If I don't do something, literally nothing happens. Yeah. And I know, I think that's um, great though, when you're starting too, because you learn how to do everything. I'm spoiled where, well, right now we're actually at some point, at one point we had like six people on our show. And so we had a lot of things, but now during, there was a lot of cutbacks and there's that we have three and four, but I have a producer who just helps does. He's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. So it does help. You'll get there. Uh, yes. I, that's, that's but, the but goal. But when you have to do everything on your own, you learn everything. Like editing, you learn everything. Oh, I And let me tell you, when I had to go back into it, I'm like, oh shit. Where we left the cut? Sorry. Yeah, I like, um, um, it's uncensored. Okay. Because I cuss and I don't know how I don't cuss on the radio, but I always cuss in real life. It's like, my mom hates it, but... It's but you better. know, it's so crazy because I do the same based on who I talk to mm-hmm. in regards to if I cuss mm-hmm. or not too. Mm-hmm. So... Literally, if I'm with somebody who doesn't really cuss, I find myself like, yeah. it's just, well, it's a thing I don't, in, well, it's a thing in radio, um, when it's whoever you hang out with, you start talking without mm-hmm. uh, talking, like without even thinking about it. So for example, I have this one friend, Jessica, not you, a different Jessica, um, who always says like, 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 and she'll come over here for a weekend on a Monday on the radio. I'm saying like, 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 I'm like, Oh my God. I, I told her, if you're going to come stay with me the weekend, you need to cut that word out of, out of your vocabulary. Cause in regular, when you're regularly talking, it sounds normal, but when you're on the radio, it sounds not, when I'm not, not editing. Good. Yeah. I you're like, uh, I've said it too many times. Yeah. I hear the, uhs. I yeah. hear the likes. I hear all the, you hear all Everything. of the filler yeah. words. But like when my, like I was gonna say, <laughs> when my mom comes over too, she says certain words too. And I sound, I, I just, you, whoever you hang out with, even for a day or two, you'll start talking like them without yeah. even thinking about it. So you do have to be cognizant of that. Yes. Well, before we get into all the other cheese, man. Yeah. We got to get to the wine. Okay. The best part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this week I'm super excited because we're having Herencia Wines. It's a Sauvignon Blanc from Napa Valley 2016. They are a Mexican-American vintner. Oh, nice. Yeah. So really, really, they're super awesome. In fact, when I went to, when I took my three-week road trip, yeah. I spent two nights in Napa. Uh-huh. And there it was Herencia Wines, Undrama, 
um, Vin- Andrama Wines and Yama's Family Wines. They actually took me out to dinner. Oh, awesome. And I got, I didn't taste Did you have like this dinner one. in a cave and all that? <laughs> Do they have all that? I, the most bougie place I ever been to was in Napa and it was a wedding and it was a cave. And I was like, wow, people really live like this. Yes. No, it wasn't a cave. They took me to a restaurant, okay. but it was, but, but they like wined and dined. It was awesome. I had, the food was amazing. The wine was amazing because they all brought their wines. Yeah. I got, so I wasn't, I didn't taste this one. Yeah. But this is one of the ones that was featured on the, um, wine tasting on the virtual wine tasting. Oh, cool. This was the first wine that we talked, awesome. that we talked about. So let me read the, the uh, notes. So it says the grapes were picked at first sight on September 3rd, 2014 to maximize the intensity of esters and freshness. When brought to the winery, the whole cluster was crushed and 85% was fermented in stainless steel while the other 15 was fermented in neutral French oak barrels. Um, so it says layers of lemon zest apricot and other stone fruit as well as dried herbs and the flavors lush and full lemon cream and Meyer lemon bar which transit which transitioned to a whipped key lime finish so okay salud i don't know what all that meant but it sounded good Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love the citrusy, yeah. Yeah. But you had told me, because I'd asked before what your favorite type of wine was, and you said Sauvignon Blanc. Always, yes. When they sent me an extra bottle, I was like, this is the one I'm going to save for Gina. I appreciate it. No, it's really, really good. (laughs) So thank you guys over at NCO Wines. It is really good. I'm sure, I have a feeling we're definitely going to go through the bottle. Yes. (laughs) Always. I mean, you can't leave a bottle half empty. No. I always tell my boyfriend, he like, he'll open a wine. I'm like, if you're going to open it, you need to finish it. So, because we're not just going to leave it. Yeah. So he's like, okay. (laughs) I know. Sometimes it's hard for me when I have um, multiple interviews in a day. Because I'm like, I don't want to go through that. I know. I can imagine. (laughs) But, Within, you know, a, a, I will end up, I will finish the wine. So. Yeah. And right now, you know, after, after everything with the craziness of everything that's happening politically, a lot of wine is yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wine's always good. Yes. <laughs> so you are not originally, we are recording at your home in San Diego, yeah. but you're not originally from San Diego. No. You're from the LA area. Yeah. Um, what part of LA are you from? Um, I'm from the San Fernando Valley, but it's not the valley that you see in Clueless. I hate when people are like, you know, Clueless. Yeah. Like, oh, the Valley Girls. It, there's a whole another part of the valley. Uh, there is that part of the valley, though, just you know, but that's not where uh, we're from. But LA is really interesting because you can be blocks away from like in a super nice, rich area, and then you could be like in the hood, you yeah. know, like a few minutes away. So I'm in a little town. Uh, it's my parents live in Silmar now, but we were born like I was raised in San Fernando, the actual city of San Fernando. My parent and my family's all from Pacoima. They're all literally like Pacoima to San Fernando is five minutes, San Fernando to Silmar is five minutes. So it's like a very where everybody like knows each other. It's kind of like that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've been to the valley for certain things. What part of the valley? Because there's all different parts of the valley too. That's yes. what people don't understand. They're like the the San Fernando Valley is. It depends where you go. <laughs> okay, so I have a question because yeah. isn't North Hollywood like mm-hmm. to me? It's so weird that you have Hollywood and North Hollywood, and they're nowhere near each other. Yeah, they're two different places. Like they're not completely. even the same vibe. Not no. even the same people. So North Hollywood is about 15 minutes uh, south of my parent of where I grew up. 
Okay. Yeah. See, I told you. I'm yeah. in the valley. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a, it's a different part of the valley. Yeah. It probably was cool. They have some cool bars. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I, I mean, I was never really an LA person. We would go to, me and my friends would go to clubs once we hit 18. Uh-huh. Instead, we would go on the clubs, but. It's not like I knew. I mean, plus I'm from San Diego. Yeah, LA is so. so big compared to San Diego. I love San Diego. I love the, but it's just such a different life up in LA. So different. <laughs> so tell me about growing up in that in LA and and what your childhood was like. Um. Well, I had I grew up with um, my two brothers and my parents, and I wouldn't. You know, it's funny because people like I always say like I grew up in the hood, but people think that that's poor, and I don't look back thinking it was poor. You know, so. In where we're from, and it's hard to explain unless you've been there. There's definitely hoods that are poor. Yeah. Then there's hoods that are middle class, but they're still hood AF. You know. Yeah. Cuss again. Um, you can guess it's okay. okay <laughs> my mom's gonna listen and be like, "Really? Can you not?" Um, so my mom did. Hey, at least your mom listens. I don't think my mom's even listened to. Oh, really? Episode. You know, I think my mom used to listen, but she stopped because she used to always text me, but she. I haven't got text message, so she might have gave up on me too. If my mom heard some of the things because, like, I have a couple episodes on like sexuality and stuff uh, like that. So okay, I she think probably wouldn't like it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what she would do to me. I would probably her favorite phrase when it comes to is "Hi Jay." I know. So she'd be if she probably message me, "Hi Jay, did you really have to say that?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like that most of my family is in LA because they don't like some of them now because of the app and the radio app. You can listen wherever, but. They don't listen. Like if I was on the radio in LA, I think I would be getting in a whole bunch more trouble just for <laughs> things I said. But anyways, where I grew up, it's, I mean, it's, it's all Mexican. And I didn't realize how Mexican it was until I left. And I'm okay with that. I'm great with that. But I didn't realize how like, it's like, <laughs> like you can't, like I didn't, that's how I grew up. So I didn't under realize it until I went to college. I was like, oh, dang, there's people other than, than Mexican. There's even Latinos that are not Mexican. What? I didn't even understand, what? right? Yeah, like well, growing up, it was all Mexican. I would say like 98% maybe. Um, and um, it's an area where it's like... I mean, I don't know. I guess it's... I don't feel like I grew up poor, right? I feel like my parents worked hard or whatever, but we definitely were not rich. You know, so I would say like lower middle class is maybe what it is. But there are lots of gangs and and it's lower or lower middle class, depending where you are. Um, so lots of gangs, you know, I have so many friends who I love and, but they all got pregnant at like 14, 15 and it's just kind of what it is. Right. You know, going to a party. It's funny. Cause when I look back now, I didn't, when I was growing up, I didn't feel like afraid or feel, but you go, you look back now, like, damn, what was I doing? You know, <laughs> like, cause that's we, where you grew like, up. I was going to parties and clubs at like 13, 14, you know, in Hollywood and, 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 and you go to a party, a house party and it, it's over when you hear gunshots. Right. And that's very normal. There's it's not even scary almost like, I mean, you duck for a second and then you go home, you know, and I, it I becomes did, normalized. In oh, your it's life. very normalized. And so that's just kind of, but then when you go out of it, I realize there's some people in this world who've never even heard a gunshot. I'm like, Oh, what? You know? So, and then you realize how not normal it is, but that was our normal, you know? And I honestly wouldn't trade it for the world. I feel like I learned a lot of street smarts there. I learned a lot of, realness there and um but now i live a different life so like seeing the contrast is different but all my family's still there so i just go home and uh, you remember right we're back where you came from (laughs) (laughs) my parents don't even live in our hometown anymore Uh, so it's 
But I definitely go back because I'm just in North County is where I grew up in Escondido. Yeah. So when I go sometimes to see friends and stuff, yeah, it brings it all back. Yeah, it does, oh, right? Yeah, it brings it all back. And then you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, we definitely were just very middle, middle class. But um, yeah, sometimes I'm just like... We did crazy things and I'm like, how did I, I know how, how am I alive sometimes? It's funny because I don't like when I say when people ask me like how will you grow up the classes, I really don't know because it was just our normal. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I never went starving, but I now looking back, I'm like, it definitely is not rich or even yeah. I don't even know middle class. Maybe Lord, I have no clue. Like I don't, I don't know. But it was my uh, life. But we definitely grew up like in the um whole like uh going to car shows every weekend. Like my dad has a bunch of oldies to this day and, and cruising around listening to oldies and the veterano music and all that. So that's like the culture I grew up in. Yeah. Um, and that not everyone grows up in that culture, but I really appreciate it now. Like the whole, you know, all that and freestyle music and all that stuff Girl. like that, that was my life. And I love it. So when I go back, it reminds me of all that. But you, so you played softball, right? You started yes. playing, how old were you when you started playing softball? young as fuck. Uh, my parents were really into um, sports. And so they started us at a very young age. So I was probably like three or four. By the time I was seven, I was in All-Stars. And by the time I was nine, I was traveling the country. I'm one of the top teams in the country. So I do think that sports kept me out of trouble. Um, by the time I was 10, we were like fifth in the nation. I remember going to Tennessee. What team were you on? Uh, it was the... I don't know, like a little travel team they had made. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I went to 11, I was on the Valley Breeze and I played that all through, okay. which is a very, uh, it was a good organization. I, when, when I think of Southern California travel teams, I think of like bat, the Bat Busters. Bat Busters, yeah. yeah. So we played it. How do you know the Bat Busters? <laughs> I played softball too. My oh, okay. sister actually played on the uh, Bat Busters. Oh, she must yeah. have been good then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we played the Bat Busters. So I, my travel team was the Valley Breeze. So that was probably when I was like 11, 12 and all through high school. Uh, we were the, really the only competitive team in the area but we played the Bat Busters, the Firecrackers, the Cruisers, like all those teams mm -hmm. um, uh, right there with them. So, yeah, so I played that all my life. Very competitive. I mean, that was my life all the way until college. What do you... So I... Because I feel the same way. I know um, I was the kid, though, what, who I would pull my parents to do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. My parents weren't like, oh, do this. I was like, oh, I want to be a pop Warner cheerleader. Oh, I want to play softball. Oh, I want to do yeah. this. So, And then my sisters would end up following what I did since I'm the oldest. How, how was that? Like your brothers, did they do the same types of things? Yeah. To, I mean, cause obviously in that area, your parents are doing that, like you said, to try and keep you out of trouble, to give you focus on something. Yeah. My pet, my mom was really good at softball too. Like if she would have grew up, like she grew up in the projects and if she grew up in a different, um, maybe with a different economic background or whatever, she'd for sure would have won the Olympics. To this day, she's probably better than me. So she, I think she really wanted me to be like her. <laughs> and uh, my dad was very athletic. So we were all in sports. My my brothers were really good at sports too. And I will say that um, when they, when my brother stopped playing sports is when he started getting into trouble. And so I do think that there is a correlation to that. Um, I'm not saying that's why, because I believe in, destiny, whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. But I do think that sports, because we, when you're playing such competitive and you've, if your sister played on the Batbusters, you get it. That is your life. You don't have time to do other stuff. I, actually, I did find time to go to the arena and the clubs and stuff, but, <laughs> um, but you, for the most part, you're really, you know, and so my brothers were the same, but, um, it definitely wasn't us. I think it was my parents 
they really pushed us and they have a, a they have a love for it. to this day the Dodgers are in the playoffs are like are you watching blah 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 you know like they're just huge sports fanatics um so they really they put us in the sports I wouldn't say I wasn't like you <laughs> I was like can I have a break I don't want to play anymore I tried to quit at like 13 and then I went back <laughs> no I would get hurt because I would I would just play so hard and I would end up getting hurt first mm-hmm. like I I was a catcher mm-hmm. I don't even know how many concussions I've had really? um yeah because I remember one time where you know you Toss the ball, hit it into the fence. Pregame warm-ups. Yeah. It hit the pole okay. and ricocheted. Oh my god! Hit me in the head. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And that's I, bad luck. Yeah, and I was supposed to. <laughs> yes, that's not like normal. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like someone ran into you or something. Oh well, that's happened too. Yeah. Slid into third, tore all the ligaments in my ankle because the the uh, base lifted when the third baseman was on, and my oh, wow. foot went directly under it, and my body kept going. Wow. So my mom, I was the one. My mom would threaten me. You keep getting hurt. I'm going to take you out. And I'd scream back, no, you're not taking yeah. me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I never got hurt into college. I broke my, um, like this finger. I don't know what it's like your ring finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I never got hurt playing all those years. Crazy. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your relationship? Cause are you the youngest? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. So yeah. what was your relationship with your younger brothers? Uh, we were really close. It's funny because you know, they're not here anymore. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but, um, you kind of forget sometimes, you know, and I have no bad memories with them. They were thriving. So I was like, they were always in trouble <laughs> since like my youngest brother, because we all went to the same school in elementary school. Cause we we're all very close in age. And the teacher would pull me out to go get him. Cause he would be at the top of the jungle gym, not wanting to come in. The mother, my other brother would be, um, in the principal's office every single day. I was always the really good kid. Like they were the brats and I was the good kid. You know, they were always like the cops to show up at the door because they were throwing water balloons at cars on the end of the street, you know, oh things like God. that. Like they were always into something. But me, as far as me and them, we were like, my parents always said that we're like, we were like best friends. So they were really protective of me, even though they were younger. I mean, we weren't that it was like just a year or two apart, all of us. Um, but they were always protected me and we never, I never fought with them. Like they fought with each other cause they were really close in age and, mm-hmm. but they're best friends, but they still fought. I never, we were like best friends. It's crazy. Cause most families, I think, and brothers and sisters, I understand have these like ups and downs and maybe they didn't love long enough to have that, but we were like best friends yeah. all growing up. And I even asked my mom recently, I was like, how were we? Is, am I just remembering some facade? You know, she's like, no, you guys never fought. <laughs> you guys were always like on the same team, but they were always in trouble and I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I just watched it and be like, Oh God, what happened now? <laughs> well, especially when there's three, cause it always ends up being like two on one. Cause I have two younger sisters and it would always end up being like ganging up. Yeah. Right. It always ends up being two on one. I think because you guys are sisters, right? Yeah. I think there's a different dynamic with two boys and a girl. Cause I didn't, I never had sisters. I don't know what that feels like. I don't think sister and brother. Well, I don't know. Cause my niece and nephew, they fight a lot too. So I don't know. It was never <laughs> like that. Um, but it wasn't with that for you guys. No, not, not for me. I, they, I think they probably fought a little bit, but they're boys. Yeah. So what, what point did they stop playing sports? My brother, Steven, he um, played, he stopped playing in ninth grade and it was because he didn't have the grades to play. Um, and my other brother, though, he played all the way up until he passed. Um, they're, they're, they were two very different, mm-hmm. different people. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese. Hola, mi gente. 
I am so excited to share that the Wine and Cheese My podcast is going on tour. And our first stop will be on April 29th in Los Angeles. There will be wine provided by Latine-owned wine brands, a cheese and charcuterie grazing table, a special performance by Heidi Rojas, and a live podcast recording discussing diversity in media and entertainment. We will also be making stops in Dallas, Texas in June, New York City in September, and bring it back home to San Diego in December. So make sure to go to thewineandcheesemypodcast.com for more information on dates as each city gets closer and to buy your ticket today. When you went to college, where did you end up going? Were you Did you stick by close um, to home? I got a softball scholarship to go to Loyola Marymount University. Um, I There was a few... Um, but I was such a, you know, I grew up everywhere we're from, everyone we're from never leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big um, believer in like, you should leave your city at some point. But back then I wasn't. Cause you're like, oh, you know, so Loyola Marymount is like 45 minutes from my house. <laughs> it's like the LA airports where we fly out, but I lived on campus and I moved there and I was able to go home on the weekends and it was far enough, but close enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I almost came to San Diego state and I almost transferred too, but I stayed there. I love Loyola. It was a good experience there. So actually, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what was your experience? I don't know the dynamic in regards to diversity there. Oh, there's no diversity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe now. I'm not saying anything. I know they try, but it's all white people. Like, and when I say, and again, when I say white people, that's just how I talk. I'm not, I'm not prejudiced or racist, whatever. But when I went there, I was, I grew up around all Mexicans. The only white, well, there was white kids in my high school, but the white kids that where we grew up were more like the same, right? So I'm talking about like white kids from like Arkansas and you know, Wisconsin, that's a whole different breed over there. And I've learned to appreciate them as I got older. But when I went to college, it was my first time of like, wow, I'm a minority. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize you went from majority to minority. Yeah. Yeah. And there was all these people from all over the country that had accents and like, Oh, like what the heck? And then the Latinos that I met there, hardly any of them were Mexican. I was still like, (laughs) like they were like, you know, uh, like my friends Bolivian and Ecuadorian and Cuban. And, and I had never met anything other literally than Mexican. Where I grew up, it's Mexican and that's it, you know? So it was a big culture shock, I will say. Um, it's predominantly white there. Um, it was there. That was a while ago. I don't know how it is now. Um, but we, a little like, you know, Latino Business Student Association. We started the first Latina sorority ever there on campus. It's still there to this day and it's recognized by campus, which is a huge deal. Um, so we made our little mark there. It was fun. So what made you decide like what, obviously, because some people would look at it and say, okay, well, it is what it is. You also looked at it and said, okay, I want to, you obviously looked at it in some way and said, I want to connect, make sure that we're all connected in some way by starting the first Latina sorority. What was like, like what? was the catalyst for that why we started it yeah. do you really want to hear this yes oh now i really do <laughs> it's funny because we talked i went to my reunion and i was the founding president so i told the story well, actually did i tell the story i don't know i'll tell you this i might have changed it a little bit because it's, <laughs> it's not what you would think so there was only one latina sorority on campus they were not recognized by loyola because to be recognized you have to go through this whole process right at the time there was no minority sor- uh, sororities or fraternities recognized but they were like kind of underground. So they did crazy hazy. And like, I mean, the stuff they did to them was just ridiculous. And, um, 
I was never into sororities. Like anyone knows me, like what, when I say I was a president, they're like, what is that the same person? Yeah. Um, but a lot of my girlfriends, because I naturally gravitated to the Latinos in my dorm. So we all became friends, right? So they were all pledging it. I was playing softball. I was just whatever. And I just remember they would come to my room every night at like midnight crying and bawling and like telling me the stuff that the sorority went them. I'm like, why are you guys doing this? They're like, well, we don't really connect with any of the other ones. Cause they were all like white, like typically white sororities. And that was the only, or only option. And I said, ah, fuck them. Let's start our own. <laughs> Not knowing what I was getting myself into. Right. And they're like, really? So by within the next week they had all quit. So there was like five of them. I was oh, like, so you were like really on the hook. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, we got to start our own. Okay. How do we do this? Right. How do you even start a sorority? Right. Um, but I'm very like, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm doing it. Right. And they really, so it was really my girlfriends that wanted to do it. Like not really me, but, um, we researched the sororities. We found one, like we wanted definitely a Latina base. It's Latina base, but it's considered a multicultural one. Um, so we wanted something like that. We wanted something that be aligned with the values and the culture and everything we did. And so we looked into it and it took, um, whole freshman year and sophomore year to actually, cause there's a lot to start. You can't just like, Hey guys, let's just start. A <laughs> That's what I thought, but it's not like, that. it's not like our revenge of the nerd. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to get a certain amount. You have to, you know, there's lots of requirements. So we put in a lot of work and we started, we founded it with 13 girls. And now, I mean, I just went to the reunion. There's hundreds and hundreds and they're still there. And it's amazing. What um, yeah. sorority is it? Sigma Lambda Gamma. Okay. Alpha Beta Chapter. There's one at San Diego State too. Um, they have them all over the con- uh, the country. But um, so, yeah. So then, I mean, that was a really short story to a long version. It was a lot more. <laughs> How about when, when, before you make statements, think about it, guys. Same <laughs> with my dogs. I love my dogs, but I just got them. I'm kind of like... When I feel passionate about something, I just say it and then have to do it, you know? And then you're like, oh shit. But it's, you know, I love my dogs. I love the story. Yeah. <laughs> but was it easy? No. <laughs> but you would you do it again? Absolutely. Um, to to this day, the, some of those girls are some of my best friends. And even though we're all over the country or different, you know, we all meet up around, we try to meet up like once a year around Christmas and in LA and have a dinner. And then last year we all went to Miami for it. So we, we make an effort to like meet up and they're some of my best friends and I would have never met them had it not been for the sorority. So what did you study? What did you, I was a business to- marketing major. How do you give? From, okay. Cause I know a lot of people, right. I'm actually friends with a couple of people in radio as well who started like literally in community college. They mm-hmm. started and some didn't even go to community college. They just were like, wanted to apply and, and everything yeah. started as like street team people. Yeah. How do you go from like being a business major to going into radio? Well, so I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry, like all my life. I've known that. And, um, but it's in LA, it's really hard. And so I didn't want to, I knew how much, you know, loyal is an expensive school, even though I got a scholarship, we we're still paying some of it. And I just, in my I head, mean, back, just the, if you just have to pay for books, you're paying yeah. hundreds of dollars. Yeah. It's yeah. Fucking ridiculous. And, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'd, I'm just going to get a business degree because I can use a business in anything I do. Because I, I was somehow smart enough to know that I might change my mind or you never know, you know? So I got a, so that's why I declared my business marketing major. But all my internships in college from day one were entertainment ones. So I was like, you know, I can always have a business degree to fall in or I can always use the business degree. 
So um, I started interning everywhere. And one of them was at a radio station. And I entered there for like nine months. And I started working on the street team. And it was the funnest job ever throughout college. And I never left, even though I tried a lot of times. What were your other internships? Um, I worked at DreamWorks in PR. I worked at a music video production company, which was so much fun. That was my first one. I was like, I worked on like the Back Eyed Peas video. I did like all this. I thought it was so cool. Um, I worked for college magazines, um, University Connection. Do you remember all that? Like, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I worked for that. I was a writer. I thought I was thought I wanted to be a writer too. Um, and so I worked there. Where else did I work? Um, the radio station, probably a few TV stations. I don't know. I was always, always working. Yeah. Yeah. So what made radio stick out versus all these other things? Um, so a lot of them were little internships, but the radio station, I loved everyone I worked with. Like everybody, we became like best friends and it was just such a cool environment. I got free concert tickets and like, it was just <laughs> fun. And I love music. I grew up around music. I love music all my life. You know what I mean? Um, I can tell by yeah. the decorations yeah. in your apartment. So it just felt like right at home there. And so when my internship was over, the promotions director was like, Hey, what are you doing after your internship? You want to work? Yeah, sure. So he hired me the street team. It's minimum wage, but it just was so much fun. Like we got to go to so many events and I would say the people and the environment and just, you know, being out and about, it just was, just was me. I never thought I was going to be on the radio though. I just, just liked the environment. I, I was always like a fun job. I didn't think it could become a real job. So when did it go from street team to a real job? Okay. Like, where, like how did you end up transitioning? So I worked there all through college. Um, and then when I graduated, I was like, okay, now I got to go get a real job. Right. And so I got a job at Fox sports TV as a sales assistant. And my boss at the radio station is like, no, no, you can't leave. And I was like, why? I can't like, you know, I have to go get a real job. I had to greet out, you know? And he's like, well, how about you just stay around? And just when we have big events, like we had Wango Tango, we had all these big events and or work every other weekend. So I was like, oh, that's easy. It's like my friends, you know? Yeah. So I was actually doing both jobs. Um, and then I did that for about a year and I could just never, and he let me work whenever I wanted. Like, Hey, you want to work at this big concert? You want to whatever. And then my brothers died. And then should we get into that? Cause that's yeah, part of I, the story. I, I, well, I, I knew it was right after you had graduated college. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, it was a year after I graduated college, my brother who was 17 at the time, Matthew, he, um, I'll just tell you what. So he went to where we're from. We go to flyer parties. Did you guys, did you guys do those? No. I don't know why it's like a valley thing. It's weird because I thought everybody knew about them. Every time what I is story, a flyer they had no party? clue what a flyer. <laughs> but were we the only ones that did this shit? Um, so it'd be like either like warehouses or like it's like you get a flyer, you pay ten oh, bucks okay, to get okay. in, and it's just until it gets shut down, and then the cops come and gotcha. you go home. So he went to a flyer party, but which was very normal where we're from. Now I look back and I'm like, damn, if my niece and nephew went there, I'd beat their ass, dude. Uh, but back then... We'd go to raves. I actually went to a rave at the sports arena before. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like that, you know, um, but they're different. Um, so he went to one of the house and a pair, I wasn't there with him. He was with my other brother, Steven. And he got into... He knew the girl at the door who was charging. You pay like five, 10 bucks to get in. And I don't know what happened. He called her a bitch. I, that's all, all I know. Then um, she went and told her boyfriend who was in the party who knew my brother too. So they had like, they knew each other from like eighth grade or something. And he, the boyfriend was on a bunch of drugs. And I know that from the court, like a shitload of drugs. He just came out and shot him and the party in front of like everybody. My other brother was right there. And that was it. And he was, my brother was 17, Matthew. He was a senior in high school. He was on the football team. I'm not gonna say he was perfect, but he was not um, in a gang. But where we're from, 
And it, it, even to this day, like I was joking with my boyfriend, like where we're from, you're always gangs are not weird to us. You know, like yeah. our family members are gang members are around, you know, what streets to go down to and whatnot. It's not like you're always one person away or not even, you know? And so I'm, my brother was not in a gang and I'm not saying he's perfect, but my other brother was, you know what I mean? And so you're always around it. So yeah. I'm not, I, I don't want to like downplay and say he was like innocent. Did he deserve to be shot? Absolutely not. No. You know, um, was he innocent? Probably not, you know, a normal 17 year old, but he wasn't, in a gang, like he was playing football and stuff, but where we're from, everybody's in a gang. I mean, it's just an argument that escalated into something and never needed to escalate into. And he was a senior in high school. He was 17 years old. So that happened. Um, I remember February 1st and there's a reason why I'm bringing up the dates. And then, so now my other brother, Steven, who was 19 at the time, he, um, he was in a gang. By then he was, you know, he was on a full on gang and it happened when I was in college. So I don't really, I would never seen him as that. Anyone that knows that has friends, family members that are gang members, like you don't see them as that. Like to me, he is the nicest, most loyal, most. He was your brother. Yeah. Most. Um, so I don't know what he did in that life. I wasn't around really. I was in college, but he was, he also had two kids at the time. My niece and nephew who are now. Dang. 17 and 18, about to be 18, 19, who I've helped raise this whole another story. Um, but he had them then. They were very little. So after that happened, my brother, I mean, it's crazy because people that are from the streets understand this, but people that are not don't, right? So, you know, when my he was with my brother when he got shot and he didn't want to testify, right? Because where we're from, you don't snitch. Yeah. And to this day, I probably wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's just not, I know I'm evolved and whatever, but that's just like ingrained in us. And so I, but at the time I was like, why don't, if you just go testify, you saw him, you know, and he's like, he, he told me something. He said, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to say this on podcast, but it's true. Uh, he said, he said, look, he's all, if I, if I, either way, he's going to get killed. That guy. He's yeah. like, he's a, is a, if I, um, street yeah. justice or court justice. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I do. And it's true. So I've never checked on him. I don't know what happened with that guy. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but it was a very realization of like, I think that is epitome of where we grew up. If you're asking where we grew up, like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. that's very true. You know, and so anyway, so my brother didn't testify. He went, the guy went, the, by the way, the whole court system, that's a whole nother thing that took forever. So after that, my brother, Steven was trying to get his life straight. So my best friend's dad, George, he, um, he got him to work with him, um, far away. Cause where we're from, like, you just stay in the same area. So far away was like 45 minutes away. And he would go, it's like pipe fitters. I think he would go and he was doing a good, he was working at five o'clock in the morning, coming home, really trying to get everything for his kids. But Anyone that knows the gang, you can't just leave. Like, unless you like move to another state. And even then you better be careful. Yeah. You can't just leave. So he was trying his best. I remember I was living in Burbank at the time. He would come stay with me, but it's just really hard to get out of it. Like I would just tell him, come on, let's, it was crazy that I live in San Diego. Cause back then I would tell him, look, let's move to San Diego. All like, we'll just start over there. And he did not want to do it because you just can't, you know? So six months to the day he went to work, he came home. And, um, he was at my cousin's house and they were swimming. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, cause he worked early. And so it was like three or four. And then they were going to the local park, somewhere park where we're from to play basketball. And my cousins were like, they were taking a shower. So they said, we'll meet you there. So he went ahead with his friend. They went in the gym. And the only reason why I know this is cause on the court, the, the kids that were testifying were little kids. They had an after school program there for kids that were like, 
I mean, the little kid to me looked like six years old, maybe. Mm. So maybe like, I don't know how, but uh, the little kid on the stand said that there was three black guys and there's three Mexican guys. The Mexican guys wanted to play with the black guys and basketball and they didn't want to. So the Mexican guy threw the ball at him and went to the other side. And the black guy went to the bench, pulled out a gun and shot him. In the auditorium, like at three o'clock in the afternoon, with all those kids around. So all those kids are probably traumatized. To oh this day. my gosh. Yeah. And um, the kid that shot him was only 14 years old. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, um, and then my brother died later that night, but it was six months to the day at the same time, which is crazy. So July 1st, February 1st, July 1st, six, oh they my died gosh. at the same time. Yeah. Gina, you lost your brother six months from yeah. each other? Yeah. And my grandma died two weeks before that. Yeah. So... Yeah. So my, my grandma was sick already, but she, so we lost three people. You know, the whole thing, like you lose it them. Comes in, yeah. I kind of believe that. I mean, I don't know. Oh, I totally believe it because it always happens. I'm always yeah. waiting for yeah. the next one is, as yeah. soon as it, oh my so gosh. After that happened. So the first, after my first brother died, I was functioning and still going to work. After my second brother died, I literally, it was a blur after that. Like I remember I, quit Fox Sports. I don't even think I went back on. Thankfully, everyone at Fox Sports to this day, they're still my friend. And they were so understanding. You know, they just said, go. I didn't even like put in my two... I literally... Like my friend who was working, packed up my stuff. I was living at an apartment in my house in um, in Burbank. I moved back home with my parents. I don't remember even moving out. Like luckily, whoever the tribe was, I came in and like, I can't even remember. Like I was just out of it. After that, it was like horrible. You know what I mean? Because my brother, Steven... We were like really close. And especially after Matthew died, we were super, super close. So that one really hit me. And then he had two kids too, that were like one and two. They're only a year and two days apart, you know? And so um, I came back home to my parents' house and I was, I literally didn't talk, like ask my friends that were around, like they would like, when you go through something, you're just like in a daze, you know, like it's can't even explain. You don't even wish it on your worst enemy. I see like, I, you know how in the movies you just see somebody still and everything's just kind of passing yeah. by them. That's it's what real. I envision. Yeah, it's real. And that's how I was. It was all blurry. You're just kind of like a robot almost. Like you don't want to see anyone. I didn't talk to him. I got super skinny. That's when I started having an eating disorder because all I would do is wake up, go run five miles every day and sleep the rest of the day and not eat a thing. How and did that affect everybody else too? Like you with your power, your parents. They and- were, I honestly, like everybody was just fucked up. You know, my dad, so my dad, um, I love my dad and I don't think he cares sharing with this cause he's pretty open with it, but he had a drug problem growing up while we were growing up. So he was in and out of the house. I grew up, I mean, I skipped a whole lot of my childhood, I guess. I grew up about a lot of drug addicts, a lot of alcoholics. It's like very normal to me. Um, and, uh, he was in and out, but he had been sober and then he had a relapse after that. So that's how he dealt with it. Um, he's been sober now, but I remember that my mom to this day is not, you know, I mean, she, they function, but it's something that you can't even, you move on, but you'll never be the same yeah. ever. It does change your perspective on life completely. You know what I mean? Like little shit doesn't matter. Like, and, and even big shit doesn't matter. Like you, it really, really shows you what's important. Um, I think that's the good lesson that we learned. But at the time, you're just like, I don't even know. Like, it's just all a blur. Like, my mom retired then. She never went back to work to this day. Um, every, just anyone that's been super depressed knows what I'm talking about. Like, and I'm not talking about 
I'm not downplaying, but like when you're really depressed and you know what that feels, that's a whole different feeling than I'm sad one day or whatever. Like it's like you can't function, you can't eat, you can't talk and you don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? And, and and people try and talk to you and you're not no. even, you're not even feeling it. You're not even under, you don't care what anybody's no. saying. You don't give a fuck. Your feeling is numb. Yeah. So I didn't work for an entire year and I was just at home. I got super skinny. I remember one of my friends, he came over and he's like, have you looked in the mirror? Like, what do you look like? You Like, fuck it. What are you doing here? You know? And I wasn't listening to anyone, but I did that for like a year and all of a sudden, so at the whole, same time, I was always employed by Kiss FM, the radio station, by the way, because I was never taken off the payroll. Uh, but I wasn't talking to anyone. And I always say before we move on, grieving is like everyone grieves differently. I hate when people judge people like, oh, well, they seem fine because they're out partying. Because I went through so many, like during that time, I would, was dead and didn't fucking talk to no one. I also went and party a shitload with people that I probably shouldn't have been partying with just to get out. I also like everyone grieves with different and goes through waves. So you can never judge people when they lose someone. I always tell people that like, if you've never lost someone, you are blessed, but don't judge people that have let them go. through. I mean, yes, help them when they want to be helped. But also I, I, I really commend my friends who were there for me, even though I was probably like the biggest bitch and didn't return their calls and talk, but like hang in there for them. Realize that they're going through something that, that you will never understand. You know what I mean? I hope you don't understand or you will at some point, but like, you know what I mean? Also, I think there's a difference between people that are sick and you're expecting to die and unexpected death is a whole different thing. And especially when it's younger people that you expect to live forever, you know? Um, so I was at home for like a year really depressed, fucking skinny as fuck, like just not eating, like really just not healthy. Um, and I wasn't answering my phone. I don't even know if I had a phone. I probably like, just, I don't even remember, but my old boss at the radio station, we're like, again, we're like a family that radio is like really like family. And somehow he called my house phone and someone got me on the phone. I'm like, hello. And this is what he said. He said, get the fuck out of that house. And I was like, huh? He's like, you need to come back to work tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's just like, you can work as little as you want. You can go home when you want. You don't have to go out on the streets and set up the tents. Cause I fucking hated setting up those tents. And he's like, you could just work in the office. You'd be on the promo team and no one here. Even, Cause I was really embarrassed at the time too, because that entertainment world is, doesn't even know the fucking hood world. You yeah. know what I mean? So I thought that they would judge me, which by the way, they later on, they were also cool, but it was my own mind that I hope oh, people are going to judge me, whatever. He's like, no one's even working here. The only people that work here, are your good friends, like everybody else that won't even know. They don't even have to know what happened. You know, you're just a new employee. So I started work the next day and I went in and, um, he was true to his word. I didn't have to go on the streets. Um, and it was just kind of to get out of the house really. And about a month or so later, um, one of the big bosses, his name is John Ivy. And the reason I say, it, cause anyone on radio music knows John Ivy. I didn't know who he was at the time. He said, uh, maybe it was a few months in, he said, he pulled me into his office and everyone was like, what the hell? But you know, when someone's a boss, but you don't really know what they do. Yeah. especially then. And he pulls me in and he's like, have you ever thought about being on the radio? And I'm like, like on the radio. <laughs> he's like, yeah, like talk. I'm like, no, because it was always just fun. He's like, what would you want to be? And I mean, what else was I doing? I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, all right, well, give me an air check and we'll listen to it. And I was like, okay. And I walked back to my older boss's, uh, his name is Kevin Secchi. I said, Kevin, 
John Ivy wants an air check. What the fuck is an air check? Like, I don't know. Cause in LA, you're not even allowed to go in the studios unless you're the DJ. Like it's like, you know, you don't mess with anything. And he's like, what? So luckily by then I had made so many friends there. Uh, my, this producer, Tony, he took me in the studio, told me what to say, recorded it. Like I didn't know anything. And they really worked with me. Like, because I think I had become friends with them. I gave, came back and gave John Ivy the air check. After a few got thrown away, they kept throwing them like, no, that sucks. Don't, don't get it together. Yeah. Um, and an air check is kind of like a demo, yeah. you know, but I didn't know anything about that. And um, pulled him in and he listens to it for like 20 seconds as he turns it off. And I'm like, oh, shit. By the way. Oh, so I know John Ivy is like, like Justin Bieber shouts him out. Like he's Ryan Seacrest boss. Like he, any big radio DJ in the country, he found them. Any artist, he broke the record. So he, this guy is like, like Google him. He's fucking huge. Right. So that's who it was. Right. The time I didn't know. I was just like this. What a huge, like what a huge break. Right. How often does that happen? Right. Never. It's destiny. Right. And, and so he's like, he stops. He's like, okay, well we need someone, um, to do like go out on the streets, like do call-ins like, Hey, I'm out here on the corner, blah, blah, blah. Come get some free stuff. And we'll pay you like $500 each time you go out. Oh, he's always that good. I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> I, like that was so much money to me at the time. You know, I was like, Hey, y'all got just got to do one event a month or two events, you know? Um, but yeah. So later it's funny. Cause years later I had lunch with him. I was like, why did you choose me? Cause now like being in radio and understanding how it works, like that is unheard of. Right. He's like, look, He's like, when I would go to events, he's all, you are always working super hard, right? He's all, I can teach anyone to be good on the radio. I can't teach people how to work hard. You are always the hardest person, hardest working person in that room. And so I knew I could teach you how to be good on the radio. I can't teach people work ethic. That's what he told me. And so I was like, yeah. So I was like, okay. Um, So after that, I started doing call-ins. And then I was so, I think... Do you feel like that helped bring you back to, to life again. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, because I really threw myself into work. So I would stay at the radio station from like 8am till three o'clock in the morning. Cause there's always someone on the radio. Right. <laughs> and it was just kind of became the hang. I wasn't working that whole time, but then I started working helping and working on the nighttime show. And I would just like tag along with the red carpet reporting my friend Maddie on the streets. And I'd go out with him and we'd call it Jojo on the radio was a nighttime DJ. And, and, um, I was literally working on their show for free just for fun. And I think in a way it was a coping mechanism to not have to go home and think about my life. So I literally worked there from 8am till Jojo went home at, cause we would come back to the show like till two o'clock in the morning every day, like, or maybe going at 10 and like, it was just crazy. Like, but it was so much fun. So I started going on the red carpets and one day, um, I did that for like a year and I was doing, working on the Friday night party show. So I was just like that person that was just helping with everything. And I thinking back, yeah, I was probably because like, I didn't want to go home and I didn't want to go back to reality. And that was just my sub reality kind of, yeah. but I learned so much during that time. And, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so when Ryan Seacrest came on the station, he took Manny up to a show. So Manny's position needs to be filled. So Jojo, who is the nighttime DJ said, I don't want to audition anyone. Well, actually backstruck before that. Um, I remember this is when I proved myself and I love telling this story because there was a Lindsay Lohan, like in LA, there's always some kind of red carpet. There, yeah. There's always something to do. So there was, um, there was a Lindsay Lohan album release party and there was the James Bond premiere. So Jojo couldn't figure out where to send Manny. And I was like, Manny's assistant. So he said, he put me on the phone. He's like, Gina, 
hey, would you be comfortable going to the James Bond premiere by yourself? I was like, yeah, sure. I was scared as fuck. <laughs> like, I was like, I've never gone without Maddie. I don't know what to do. But, but I've been with him enough times. But you know, you're scared. But yeah. I just, I was always confident. I always say, you know, people are like, oh, don't fake it till you make it. No, fuck that shit. Fake it till you make it, but work hard and figure it out. Because yeah. I really feel like you can figure out whatever you want. So Manny went to interview Lindsay Lohan and I went to the James Bond premiere. So I'm this like little Latina girl and they have, everyone has these big cameras. And what we would do is we call the reception live, give the celebrity the phone and they would go on the phone live. on the radio, oh my right? God. But you got to remember on Rick Carpets, it's like craziness. Too. Yeah. You get them to stop too is crazy. So Pierce Brosnan, James Bond was walking. And I think he's, I his, had such a crush on him yeah. since Remington Steel. Right. <laughs> he sees like this little Latin girl, like handing him the phone. And I think he just grabbed it. Everybody was looking at me like, who the fuck are you? Like Eni. <laughs> News, Us Weekly, all these people. <laughs> and he stops for me. I also think I was significantly younger at the time. I was smaller than everybody. Like everyone was like, who the fuck is this girl? You know? And I dressed super chill. You know, I always dress super chill. Like, so even then, like it was a carpet and I was like in a hat and fucking chucks, you know? <laughs> and um, he stops on the phone. So the first interview I got for JoJo was Pierce Brosnan. And so after that, he trusted me. So for, so he, whenever Manny was out or whenever they needed two people, I just would fill in. And so when Manny went to Ryan Seacrest, JoJo said, I don't want to audition anyone. I just want Gina. So I became the red carpet reporter for the radio station. And then about a long story short, about a year, and I started getting all these calls from different places around the country saying, Hey, we want you to do mornings, like come audition. And I was like, at the time, I still wasn't convinced that I wanted to do radio. And I was like, I don't want to move anywhere. This is my fun, you know, blah, blah, blah. But one of them was San Diego. And I've always loved San Diego. Like I grew up coming here. I came here during college. My friends like whatever. And some of my friends from LA worked in San Diego. They're like, just come audition. And I came down and I auditioned. And um, again, Jojo did my air chair. I had a lot of help because I still didn't really know what I was doing. In LA, you can't just go in the studio. They don't let you just talk on the mic here. Yeah. Maybe not in LA. I auditioned um, and I was moved down that like in a week and I got the job moved down in a week. I was the last girl to audition. They had already like pretty much picked the girl. Um, and I got the job moved down for a week and I've been here. It's been 14 and a half years. Wow. And so who was your first co-host? AJ. Uh, AJ's Playhouse. He's the first one who, and I was very green. And I asked him, and it's funny because he's like, "Why did you choose me too?" And he's like, "You know, you just had that star quality. Like I knew I could teach you, and and like we, I know that you would." He told me one time, "I knew that you're going to become bigger than me one time." Like I just knew, but it was okay. He they always thought I was going to move back to LA, which I thought too. Um, but I came down here, and I think part of the reason why I liked me is because I didn't have experience in radio, so I was very raw. I just said whatever, and it wasn't like staged. And I didn't, I didn't realize I was talking to a million people per week. Yeah, which, I, by the way, I quickly realized like <laughs> I toned it back a little bit. But back Wait, then, I wanted you to tell the story what you were told because being from LA, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm you're from LA. I'm from San Diego. Yeah, and. I, I, when we went and had lunch, I was like, yeah, I'm not a really, I'm not really an LA person. It's not that I don't like LA. I just don't care to live in LA. San Diegans hate LA. LA people I love San Diego. I don't hate, we don't hate LA. <laughs> but you just think like, LA loves San Diego. <laughs> San Diego hates LA. Okay. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Let's be real here. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not hate. Don't confuse like, I think we're like San Diego. We're just so, ch I mean, you've been here long enough. Yeah. We're just very chill. We're just like, 
like the LA is always so much, so much hustle and bustle. Our, our downtown is a different, I mean, our downtown is off the water. Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny is LA come, people come here, they like, they come here to relax. Like it's so like chill here. Uh-huh. Even downtown. Oh, it's funny how that's so chill here. <laughs> <laughs> and sure here, San Diego's downtown is crazy, but yeah. it's really not. No, it's um, totally not. But I mean, yeah, no, when I first moved here, they're like, Hey, minimize talking about it from LA. Cause no one likes LA people. I was like, really? <laughs> then I realized like, like, they do not like LA people. So for the first year, I didn't really, it's not that we lied about it. We just didn't really talk about it because they, when you're the new girl, people are hate. And this, this is part of my story. So the first year people hated me here. Like I would get the meanest messages, like you're fat, you're ugly, like none of all this stuff. I was like, what the fuck? I don't even want to be on the radio. What? Cause at that time I still didn't think I was meant to, I was just, it was just a job. Oh my gosh. Here you are. I know. Like a coveted thing. Yeah. Ever. And I had the, my first contract was a one year contract. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm gonna be like, fuck these people. Cause I'm from the hood. Okay. Like if you talk shit to me, like I, 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 I have changed a lot now, but back then I was like, oh bitch, you know, don't come at me, you know, do not make me take off my earrings, <laughs> yeah. but I couldn't do that anymore. And it was just like, it was a really hard transition for me to like deal with the criticism of people. Cause people are, are, are really mean. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't necessarily want to be there. So I was like, what the hell? You know, it was kind of just a job, but my mom always said, you can't, Miha, you can't leave your contract. Like you, you signed up, you finish it, then you could come home. So I was like, fine. And I, w- I really wanted to quit because there was just people like, I just couldn't handle it. And I felt like I was going to snap on someone and it just wasn't going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason what made me stay in radio forever is before that year was up and I was going to quit after my year. I was like, done. I was like, this is not for me. I'm more of a behind the scenes person, blah, blah, blah. Um, I shared the story of what happened to my brothers on the radio. I don't even know how it came up, but I shared it. And I, I have never to this day got so many emails, so many messages, people thanking me for sharing my story, people relating what I touched people with that story. And so, you know, what? Th- that's when I realized, look, most of the time we're joking around, having fun. Our job is to entertain, right? Yeah. But when we do have something serious to say, people listen. And if I can help people that way when it's important, then I could deal with the, you're fat, you're this, you're that, you're stupid, whatever the comments are. And that day is when I realized, okay, I'm going to put my ego aside and I'm going to deal with this because when I have something important to say to this day, people listen and people connect to you. And to me, that's more important than a few haters or whatever. Um, so I didn't quit. And I am still here 14 hours. <laughs> but that was the last time I tried to quit. But I always say I tried to quit radio so many times. I tried to quit like before, like it was, it's crazy looking back. Like there was a, like God was kept saying like, nah, you're not quitting. Nah, you're not quitting, you know? <laughs> so what made you, cause you touched on something. You said you're a, a lot different than, yeah. and I've gotten to know you like, on like an energetic type mm-hmm, of side, mm-hmm, spiritual side. Mm-hmm. What was the the catalyst that made you start exploring that side of yourself? Um, so I think, you know, so when I, I never fully healed from my brother's death. Um, I was depressed and then I threw myself into work. And even here, I threw myself into work for the first however many years. But I will say that when you deal with, and everyone will deal with uh, grief, in their own time, but it, it's going to hit you at some point. Yeah. And for me, it hit me probably when I was here, probably for four years. And I started getting sick and I had like fibroid tumors. I had all these like, like different things. And, um, 
my body was showing me like, you got to deal with your shit. And I still kind of dealt with it, started like dealing into like the healing stuff and all that. But um, one day I met this girl who, uh, my friend Vanessa, who uh, was an energy healer. And I had, since my brother's dad, I've seen so many therapists and I'm not against therapy. Um, I always say, find what works for you. I personally couldn't find a good therapist that I really liked. Right. So I didn't know that there was even a whole nother realm. Right. She's like, you should do a theta healing. I'm like, what the hell is theta healing? You know, it's like energy. <laughs> so she kind of explained it, whatever. I met her on a random trip, like in a random hotel, like it was just meant to be right. Yeah. I came back and I did a session with her and one session with her did more for me than five years of traditional therapy ever did for me. And so I was like, whatever this is, I want it. And I started seeing her, uh, every two weeks for an entire year and it changed my life. And I will always say that. And then I started, um, I'm a natural learner. So I'm like, okay, well, what the fuck is she doing? You know, what is this energy healing? What is this, you know, and it's hard to explain unless you do a session. Yeah. Um, but you're pretty much moving out old beliefs. Like, cause we have, we carry so much shit from like our childhood and traumas and stuff. And yes, you could talk about it, but are you releasing it? Right. So it's yeah. a combination of talking and releasing that energy from your body and miraculously you start healing. Right. And, um, and then I started, I wanted to learn more. So I started taking classes and <laughs> I'm a certified theta healer now and I do it on the side. I don't. And at first I was kind of, I'm embarrassed to talk about it. What? I'm Yes, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And I was um, not embarrassed, but you know, in the Latino culture, they're like, oh, you're witches or whatever. But it's so not that, you know? Cheers to Bruja. Yes. That's what you think until you do your session. Everyone I've ever done session is like, oh my God, this shit's amazing, you know? Yeah. So it's not anything like that. But, it, you know, we come from Latino background where they're like, ah, you know, because I'm sure like all that. I've recently started doing tapping. Yeah, I did that in one of my sessions. Yeah, too. I mm-hmm. um, like Yeah, I do because, you know, we've talked about like how we both have issues in regards to um, our cycles and everything yeah. like that. And my friend got her certification and everything and, and tapping. And so she walked me through it. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed for me is that the pain gets really intense when yeah. I initially do it. And then I'm completely exhausted. I yeah. fall asleep and I yeah. wake up feeling so much better. Yeah. It has to be released. Yeah. And th- what people don't think is that emotional traumas that turns into physical pain in my belief. And I'm not a doctor. Don't quote me, but like cancer, that doesn't fucking just show up. I'm sorry. That is years of you not dealing with shit, years of you going through traumas. We're not taught in schools how to release this emotionally, mentally and all that. We just go to the doctor and get a pill and that's like a bandaid. It's not, and I'm not against that because I think it's a combination of both, but I'm saying you really need to focus on the core of the problem. And a lot of the core of the problem with health, with mental health, with all that stuff is shit we've gone through. And we're just hiding especially in the latino culture like we don't talk about shit we don't like you don't show oh, your it's emotions done. It's you done. don't cry it's done move it. past it and that's just and for me because i had gone through so much and we i mean i skipped over a lot of stuff but i saw a lot of stuff in my childhood that people should not see you know like i mean a lot i grew up around drug addicts alcoholics like it's very normal to me like i grew up really quick you know and all that shit was in me and then my brothers and then like I don't want to die at 30, you know? And so it was just like a volcano building up. And I still think, and so I started working myself and I'm still working myself and I work with all these energy healers. I go to regular, I go to an endocrinologist too, but I do like, I try to do everything. And I always say, find what works for you and do more of that. And it's changed my life. Like it really has. Now I always say like, 
I'm still from the hood, right? But <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, you know, my job really made me, it's not worth it. Like I've worked too hard to get where I'm at to let some dumb person, I'm not going to get in a fight on the street, whatever. Yeah. I've learned. And also I grew up, we're fighters. Where we're from, we're taught to our defend ourselves, right? And that my brother's um, fighting mentality is probably what got them killed. You know what I mean? I don't think that's a reason to get killed, but your mouth can get you killed, yeah. right? And so is it worth it? You know, and that's what really made me stop. So I'm not saying that my initial reaction sometimes is to like talk shit back or do whatever, but I've worked hard to not be like that anymore. Yeah. So if, if that's your question, like I work hard to not, I know it gets you in trouble. I know it's not good. I know we need to evolve for the future. It's still in me. And I always say, I just said that today, like you can't ever take, but I've really worked with a lot of healers to like change who I am and change the cycle because, you know, I grew up around grandmas that are still getting arrested for beating up people. I mean, I just had a story <laughs> with my mom, but not my mom, but someone else about something. I'm like, really? You know, but that's just where we come from. You know, like you're in court because you just beat up a girl. Oh my God, you're a grandma, you know? Um, well, I don't want to be, be that. To and be, I want to be honest. Um, I have cousins my age who are grandmas. So <laughs> exactly. That's, but still, would you want to go to a jail? To, Hell no. Exactly. It's like, I've I feel had like, to hold myself yeah. back. And I didn't, I would, I wouldn't consider where I didn't grow up in the hood. Yeah. Right. But I definitely have hood tendencies. Yes. But it's just kind of, you realize like, I also want to be in a better example for my niece and nephew um, who I helped raise and who are like my, I'm not going to say they have a mom. So I'm not saying I'm their mom, but they're like my kids. You know what I mean? Like I supported them all their life. I'm really, really close to them. I want to be a better example. I want to stop the cycle. I don't want to just keep going. And if they can see me being successful and like changing, you know, you're changing the narrative for your whole family. And at some point I became aware of that. And so I know it's my responsibility to be like that. How has that helped you in regards to, cause I'm sure being in entertainment and being a public figure, Uh it, it can take its toll. Yes. You're not always going to yes. get along with people you work with. And how has, has this helped you deal with those types of energy? Things as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, energy healing and all this spiritual stuff helps every part of your life. I think um, it helps you understand other people better. It helps you understand where they're coming from using your intuition to make decisions in business. Like it has changed my life. Like the second yeah, it helps everything. I mean, I would say it's it, it's more like it started it's like self exploration. Who am I? Like you know, it start very basic, but you can really go deep into a lot of this stuff. And I encourage people to do it when you're ready. I think everybody, some people are not ready, but yeah. when you're ready, like I'm a big meditator. I think meditating changed my life. Also, you know what I mean. And that's a skill that I think everybody should do. I wish they taught that in schools. Yeah, I've I've heard some like starting to where they they're like doing yoga and yeah, things like that yoga. to be able yoga. to, to yeah. release that. Do you foresee your future in San Diego? Um, so it's funny because I used to always have a plan. I'm going to go back to LA and I almost did I almost, that's a whole nother story. I almost was going to work with Ryan Seacrest. Um, is but, that when Karen left or yeah. Ellen, Ellen K left? Yeah. Ellen K left. Yeah. I was up for that job and that's a whole nother story. I'll tell you off. I can, <laughs> I can tell you on here, but that's a crazy story. But, um, after that, after that didn't happen, I realized I'm, and I started getting into all this stuff, like what we believe people that believe in spirituality and the universe and all that, like the universe has a plan. We don't have a plan, right? I, I believe in being a good person and working hard and giving back. And I, I trust that the universe and God and whatever it is you believe in, um, 
will lead you to where you're supposed to be. So I don't have a plan. Like I'm going to go, like I, I used to be like that. Now I just, Girl, I had the, to let that go. Yeah, I, I just live in the present. And so far it's worth like every, when you are working on yourself and working hard and being a good person and just putting out the right energy, the right people, the right situations, the right, you don't even have to work for it almost. I know that sounds crazy. And the hardest part is people trusting that. But when you can really, really get to that point, you understand what I'm talking about. No, I totally get that because... Before I even moved back down to San Diego, because I lived, I've lived, I think I've, I've hit all of the Southwest pretty much. I lived in New Mexico for a couple of years. I lived in Arizona for a year. I lived in Dallas or Texas for 15 years. Yeah. So I've hit the the entire Southwest. Yeah. And when I moved back to California and I was living in Orange County for the first two years that I was Uh here, I had actually started following you. I wasn't in San Diego. I don't even know how I found mm-hmm. you. Yeah. To be perfectly honest on Instagram. And I thought, and I just yeah. like loved your energy. Yeah. So I would message you every once in a while. No clue. Never listened to the show or anything. Uh-huh. I just knew you were there, but I, and you would message back. I I'm would? sure you, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm sure some you people heard. are like, you never messaged back. I'm like, dude, I try. I hate social media, but okay. That's an obviously I'm it's glad just I me- responded to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then like we meet right mm-hmm. at a wordiful event from at Liz Hernandez and that yeah. we just vibe. Yeah. And it's so crazy because it's not, I had no idea I was moving back to San Diego. So for all I knew, I was never going to meet you. I just yeah. really liked your vibe. And I thought you were like, from what I saw, I yeah. thought you were cool. Yeah. And now like we're becoming friends. Yeah, so it's just yeah. so like, you're totally right. Like I believe it all that when it's the right people, the right situation, everything, yeah. because uh, you know, know, San Diego isn't the hugest city, but it's still it's a big, big city. Yeah. And I'm very actually close off to people. Um, and I'm trying not to be like that. But, you know, when you're in this industry, you meet a lot of like fake people or people, whatever. So I became really close off. But then I was like, but then I could be closing my off, myself off to great people. So mm-hmm. too. So I'm working on that. Um, but once you just trust that the universe is going to bring the right people into your life, yeah. You're not even worried about fake people because fake people don't even come around me no more. Like yeah. I, I trust that. And they it, reveal themselves pretty quickly. Yeah. And I feel like I have a good intuition where like I know who someone's cool or not right away. People don't understand it. Like, you know, at my job, I make decisions without even knowing. And like everyone looks at me like without, but I haven't been wrong once. So now to this thing, they'll be like, Gina, what do you think? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I believe in that. Like I, I know my intuition and I know that my gut feeling and I don't need a reason to maybe not talk to someone or I don't need a reason to talk to someone. And I've become, you know, we've only met this year, but like I was telling one of my other girlfriends, they thought we knew each other forever. I was like, no, I just met her a few months ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't feel right weird be- inviting you right, into my house. Right before COVID, we did not. Leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't, I don't just bring anyone in my house, but I feel comfortable with you. And I trust that. And I trust yeah. the universe and I know that my intuition, I trust myself to know that, you know, but you have, it takes work to get there. For sure. Yeah. I've gone through this whole thing during COVID because I would always trust my gut because anytime I've gone against my gut, it's I, wrong. yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck, why didn't I just trust it? I mean, I remember even in high school, I got in an argument like me and my best quote unquote best friend at the time. Um, had I don't even know why we had a falling out all of a sudden she didn't like me she's talking shit about me all this and that and then randomly she calls me and she's like let's do something let's blah 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 and I just didn't I was like 
even on the phone, I was like, yeah. why do I feel like if I go, I'm going to get jumped? Yeah. Like legit. Really? Yes. And what happened? Where they I didn't. Yeah. I found out later they were planning on jumping oh, me shit. for something. I don't even know why, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Well, like, that's why you got to trust your gut. Yeah. You know, and people like that, I mean, it's hard, but like you send them away with love and you create your boundaries and you trust your gut and you don't have to deal with them again. Yeah. And even now with, with COVID, it's given me as hard as it was, like I was telling you earlier, it was so like the very first few months, it was really, really hard, but it's given me an opportunity because I think this time it gives us an opportunity, right? And what we do with that opportunity is up to us. Yeah. But it's really given me an opportunity to kind of get to know myself in a way that I never have, or I never wanted to. Yeah. I never wanted to take take the time before. And it's really revealed people to me because I am a super extrovert, but that doesn't mean that I can't be around people. It just means that I need to continue to keep my circle small. And I, it's to me, it's more about qualities and quantity. Yeah. And you're right. You just, you with everything in your life. Yeah. Where do you, if, if there was another young girl, young Latina girl who was going through, maybe, maybe she's listens to you now on the radio. And I mean, first of all, yes, first of all, (laughs) the fact that you have Gina the Latina, like you're full out putting it out there, but you're also (laughs) one of the very few women who leads a radio show in this Mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. Like you, it is the Gina the Latina and Frankie V show, not Mm -hmm. the other way around. And that's very new, by the way. Yeah. Like, yes, we're, we're progressive. Like, but it's still women. We have a lot. Like, yeah. But yes. Okay. How did that feel? Like knowing that this was like, obviously there was a change in regards to host, host and everything. You were, you're the yeah. staple. You remain there. But how did that feel when that change actually happened? You know, um, so the last time with my ex co-host Kramer, um, I thought for sure then it was going to be Gina and Kramer because he was coming from another city. I'd been here for like however many years. People knew me. They had written in my contract that like, unless it was someone that came in, cause I'm fair. Like if it's someone equal, whatever, we're cool. But if I was a guy, I would have had my own Gina Latina show years ago. It wouldn't even be a question. They give guys shows like nothing for a girl to even be on a show. It's only been within the last five years. Then a girl's name to be first on a show. That's a whole nother thing. That's almost unheard of. And then a girl to have her own show. But if you think about it, listen to the radio stations. There's only guy shows everywhere. There's hardly any girl shows. So, but my last co-host, he was really cool. He was actually, he was like one of the most pro women co-hosts. They came in and they're like, it's going to be Kramer and Gina. I'm like, what? And he even told them like, nah, put her first, you know? And they didn't think that girls would be okay. They're like, well, you're already a strong, powerful woman. Girls don't like girls. What? Yeah. And so I almost quit them. I almost quit then. And I was not happy. And I talked to my agent and he was like, look, why? Maybe I shouldn't say what we're saying. But (laughs) the reason why I stayed was... Yes. Could I sue? And yes, would I win? Probably, but I'd probably be not be, I have a radio show. I can always do more good on the radio than being off. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, trust me, I took like a whole month off. That's when I was going through all my spirituality. I was like, fuck this shit. Like, this is bullshit. Like, this is so like sexist. This is so blah, 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 blah. Cause this is, and this wasn't that long ago. This was like five years ago, six years ago. You know, it's radio has changed a lot in the last six years with the whole me too, with all that. Mm-hmm. But six years ago it was still ancient as fuck. Like they treated girls like shit. And I'll go on record and say that my boss now is a woman and she is great, but before no, you know? And so, um, when they did that, I felt really like 
it was like in my face, you know? And I remember I sat in a meeting and one of the guys in there, he hates when I tell this story, but I won't say his name. (laughs) I don't think he'll listen to this. But I said, you know why I'm fighting for this? Because this was before, this was before my show now. It was before. I said, he had a daughter. I'm not going to say her name. We'll say her name is... Angel. Angel. I said, you know why I'm fighting for my name to be first? Not, I don't care at the end of the day. It's so that Angel, because she was like 13 at the time, Angel doesn't have to fight for what she's earned and deserved when she's my age. That's why I'm doing this. And he sat there and it was actually above him and he listened, but they still put it as Kramer and Gina. And I was so upset, but I wasn't mad at Kramer because it wasn't him. Right. He even went in there and it was like, even it wasn't even people in San Diego. It was like the bigger ups, you know? And I took a month off and I really thought about quitting. And then I thought, you know what? I can do more power on the radio than off. It's just a name. I know I fought as much as I could, but I was getting to the point where I was stressed out and sick and I'm big on listening to your body and it's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew I fought as much as I could in my mind. Maybe I lost whatever I I came back and I knew I couldn't do the show being bitter. And I didn't want to, because you know, I'm not going to have a good show being bitter. So I went and cleared my head for a month. My boss said, take a month off. Like I took a whole month off, the whole month of December. I came back, who started doing Theta Healing, started doing stuff. And I actually was okay with my name second. So when this whole change around, I was like already over it almost. Like I was really hurt five years ago. And I was like, this is injustice. This is blah, blah. But I knew whatever. And I finally came to a point where I was okay with it. Because I knew I had fought. I knew maybe it's just the next generation is going to do it. And then when this new show happened, my boss, she's a female. She's pro woman. She wasn't my boss before. She pulls me in and she's like, you know, tells me what's going on, whatever. She's like, and it's going to be the Gina and Frankie show. No questions asked. I'm not, no one's debating anything. And I was like, oh, okay. So it was weird because it's like the second I gave up, it came. Exactly. Right. The second, not gave up, but gave up the anger, the want, the mad. Like I really didn't care anymore. Like I was just kind of okay with it. I'm still going to do my thing. Like I'm still going to do my girls empowerment conference. It doesn't really matter. I know some people may say it's just a name, but girls, women know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, and, um, and then it just happened. So I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's all all right. It wasn't (laughs) even like a fight. So I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really care if my name's first, honestly, but I do care in the big scheme of things. Cause for me, I always say I'm working for the future. Like I, I will not see the changes that I want to see in my career, in my lifetime, but I hope the little changes that me and my friends, when I say my friends, like my girlfriend, Angie Taylor, she's the first girl. She's in Chicago. She has Angie Taylor. Uh, she was just giving the Angie Taylor on a rock show. The only like female on a rock station. That's on her. Yeah. I was about to say. And she's been at radio like, 20 years, you know, like she should have got it so long ago. Right. So it's, you're seeing the progress. And so the way we talk and we've had these conversations is that we're doing it for the next generation. Right. Yeah. So that's what I do it for. And so, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so I don't know if that answered your question, but no, for yeah. sure. Well, the, I had asked, um, what word describes your life and you said crazy, but I think we know why. And this, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just over the the course of the past I hour. mean, I didn't even go through everything. Um, you don't even know. I mean, yes, crazy. <laughs> but a good, I don't think crazy is a bad word. Everyone like, no, it doesn't I, have to I, be. I love being crazy. My family is fucking crazy and I love that. You know what I mean? Have you met my dad? He's insane, but he's I haven't, great. I haven't met him. I've only seen yeah. him. But remember I told you, I'm like, he kind of reminds me yeah. of my mom. I call my mom a 
um, a real life, a, a cartoon character come to life is how I That's describe how that is. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I mean, we're loud. We're crazy. Well, we, you, we, you hear an ambulance or a police, we go chase to watch, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we're all like all calling each other, little cheese man, like what's going on, you know? But I mean, that's how I was, that's what crazy is all I know. Yeah. But I have gone a little And bit. crazy is relative. Yes. Yes. Right? Crazy that's true. Relative. I don't think it's like, I don't know. I don't have no perspective on crazy. <laughs> you <laughs> I've <have> seen it <laughs> all. <laughs> it probably really is crazy to other people. <laughs> You've not stopped working throughout this whole time. You're considered an essential worker. I know. But has there been anything during this time that has been revealed to you in a different way? Or have you picked up any new habits or new hobbies or anything? Or, or has there been anything that's kind of been revealed to you during this time? I think um, this time has been hard for everybody. Um, I think the weight of the world is on everybody. Um, so it's a really good time to get to know yourself. And I'm glad I've done all the work before because it hasn't been perfect. Like, you know, but... Um, have I picked up new hobbies? No. Well, I made up my own hot yoga studio in my bathroom, <laughs> but now it's open again. Um, I would say though, and I don't know if this is your question, but I'm just going to go there. Um, I think this whole time, even though as people see it's bad, it's really waking people up. And I where agree. people were not passionate about certain things or were not like, it's just bringing everything to service. Now people sometimes I feel like are taking it overboard and like <laughs> whatever. But I do think it's waking people up to... I mean, we were probably going to have more people voting this year than we've ever had ever. No one cared before, you know, or I mean, that was just a minor example, but there's just so many things that I think there's a reason why everything's happening. And I try to remember that and try to just go with the flow and try to maintain my Zen during this when the, you know, the protests and everything's right outside my door. I live downtown. Um, so that's what I think. I hope people, we see a bigger lesson or picture when all of this is over hopefully yeah. it gets over at some point soon. <laughs> <laughs> right i yeah. know hopefully yeah. there's a there's an end to this madness. there is a silver lining i'm sure yeah if we don't know exactly what it is right now how can people listen to you find you on social yeah all of that so if you're in san diego you can listen on channel 933 93.3 6 to 10 a.m monday to friday um, if you're not, you can download the iHeartRadio app or listen online. Um, and you just put in like channel 933 and you can listen live. Um, or you could go to uh, channel 933.com, keyword mornings. We put our whole show there. Um, I have my own website, ginadelatina.com. Um, and we didn't even talk about girls empowerment conference. Oh my gosh. Say this, talk about uh, your girls I, empowerment conference. Well, uh, cause I know it didn't, it wasn't able to happen because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but we do it every year. It's like 500 teen girls from across San Diego. We get sponsors. We put on this beautiful event because I want them to realize there's more than where they came from. And so we do it like at the Pendry hotel downtown, they dress up. Well, I'm here to volunteer whatever yes, you please. need. Yes. We'll need it. And we have speakers from all over. Luckily I've created a great, group of people and we try to get um, different speakers so that every girl in there can relate to someone. Mm -hmm. So they're all over the place. Um, and we as provide like catered lunch. We have performances. We've had like celebrities awesome. film videos. It's like a whole production. It's turned into something really cool. And it's, uh, I have to shout out SDCCU. They, they sponsor it and they've always sponsored it. And we have other sponsors too. Might as well talk about uh, <laughs> SCGE, Cox, uh, Bottle Focus. We have a lot of sponsors. I don't want them. Crossroads Deli. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't miss you guys, but we all appreciate all the sponsors. But it's turned into a really great thing. Um, 
And that's why I got my Gina the Latina day here in San Diego. Well, that's what they said because of the girls conference. So yeah, I would love to include you when we can get back to it. We might do something uh, virtual next year. We're working on it, but um, that was a short version. But what was the question before that? Um, Oh, follow me on (laughs) Instagram. That's the best way. I think it's at Gina, the Latina G E E N A, the Latina Um, Instagram, Facebook, all that's the same. So we, Book end. We start with the wine. We end with the wine. Okay. I we've already established what your favorite wine is. It's a white wine, Sauvignon Blanc. Do you have a very specific type, like any kind? Or I go through different phases. Like probably for a few months ago, it was Pinot Grigio. Before that, it was Cabernet, like Cab Sauvignon. You know, whatever. (laughs) Right now, it's Sauvignon Blanc. I don't know. I just drink whatever. I'm not that bougie. (laughs) Gina, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. How long was this interview? Uh, about an hour and 20. Oh, that's not bad. Nah, that's good. Okay, okay. Here, hey, this is the 50th. Like, oh, awesome. the 50th. And you... Congratulations to you. That's a lot. That's, Thank that's you. Great. I can't believe it. It's so Get crazy. To that 100, though. Yes. I, was, I don't know. Then I'll be considered. That's probably bullshit, but that's what I'm they a... told me. You're not a real podcaster. You're 100. I'm like, you know what? Fuck I'm you. a half a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's good. 50 is a lot. I know how much work it takes. So, good job. <laughs> so, until next time, mi gente, happy 50 <laughs> and happy new year. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Man podcast. For more information on Gina, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. Make sure to tune in to Channel 933 in San Diego or the iHeartRadio app to listen to Gina the Latina and Frankie V Morning Show. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese Met on our website, thewineandcheesemetpodcast.com. There you will find the names of the wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on Instagram at the Wine and Cheese Met Podcast and Facebook at the Wine and Cheese Met Podcast. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese Met, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are always appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente, saludos.